Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Thank you to our amazing sponsors and our listeners. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Also, remember to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com for information on subscription boxes and on upcoming events and workshops. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Really thrilled about the podcast today as I speak with two-time All-Star and seven-year Major League Baseball vet, real estate entrepreneur, and straight-up motivator, Shay Hillenbrand. Make sure to follow him on Instagram at Shay underscore Hillenbrand. Let's welcome Shay Hillenbrand. this to this space thanks for doing this man i'm by the way i'm already recording i always start right in and uh but it's a pleasure to actually meet you off of the uh the clubhouse area and uh yeah but i appreciate you know as a former baseball guy i always like talking to baseball guys a little bit so um (laughs) so where you live uh i'm in richmond I actually, uh, I don't know if you looked up the abstract athlete at all, but, um, got, got the business going, um, with, uh, some buddies of mine, uh, two of them live out in Colorado, but I'm actually in Richmond and I actually still teach at Virginia Commonwealth university. So I teach art, but I, um, I've started a program that's kind of along the lines of the abstract athlete where I work with tons of the student athletes. Um, trying to inspire creativity and thinking about creativity like we would thinking about physical exercise. So it's been truly the most rewarding. Creativity in what aspect? Whatever it is to you. I mean, really, truly, like uh, I don't, I'm a, I'm a painter um, and actually I'm old school rock and roll singer. Um, so I got multiple outlets, but it, to me, when I teach, it's really whatever, whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's dancing, singing, painting, drawing, sculpting, um, you know, like for you, like, you know, you're an entrepreneur. I think that there is creativity in that you're a, you're a speaker. I think there's complete creativity in that. So it's not, it's not a matter of me telling people what to do. It's a matter of me asking, what do you want to do? Because I think if you find something that you like, then you're going to enjoy it and you're going to want to do it. Yeah. Did you ever do anything like creatively or music uh you know like art stuff no i just played in the marching band and i hated it (laughs) (laughs) what'd you play but uh other than that trumpet and baritone oh nice well i think you know like for me why i thought you know your story is interesting because we do we work with a lot of um current and retired athletes 
that are creative and military veterans. Um, but also just, you know, like, I think that you are inspiring, like where you, what you're doing now in terms of, you know, your entrepreneur stuff and, and, and your, your speaking, like, I think how you got there, I think is a really interesting story. Um, I, I was in that one room that you were really talking about the struggles of your playing days um, because you had a, you had a hell of a career, really. I mean, you were a two-time all-star, um, but you had an interesting had journey. You had an interesting journey to becoming a baseball player too. Like, so, I mean, like for me, like it's always just like an open conversation, but it's, it's, I always just like to say it's your platform and, you know, like this can really truly go anywhere, but I mean, like, I guess like background, just like, how did you get in like to playing baseball? Cause you played other sports as well. Grew up, you grew up in the Phoenix area. You grew up in Arizona and then you went to, you went to college, a community college late, correct? No, I went to a community college right out of high school. Oh, it was right out of high. Okay. I misunderstood yeah. what I read. Um, That's all right. But it's like, how did, how, like, maybe just go through some of the stuff that, of how you got into that, how you got into the pros and then how you got into like wh where you are now. Like, because again, like, I think what you're doing now is, is such a source of inspiration and in, and talking about like, you know, I don't want to say it was, but I mean, I'm just kind of using your words from that clubhouse thing, how you went through like these really tough times and then kind of how you came out on the other end. Yeah, absolutely. So for myself, I always wanted to be outside. I couldn't sit still. I didn't start listening to music until I was 14 years old. The first band I listened to or not band, but group was Millie Vanilli and they didn't even sing their own songs. So I was like, <laughs> this is like disheartening, man. So right. uh, for myself, I, I, I was always throwing a ball against the wall. I was always hitting a baseball off the tee. I was always kicking a soccer ball against the wall. I was always, you know, playing basketball in the front yard, you know, in the front driveway, I, like active, 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 climbing a tree, couldn't sit still. Um, I've actually watched one full major league baseball game my whole life. Wow. And that's not a game that I, that I wasn't in after I finished playing. I was like, well, you got to sit down and watch one full game. And I guess might've been the Yankees playing somebody else. And I was just bored to tears. So, um, <laughs> Looking back and, and going through this full evolution of, of who I truly am and pulling back the layers of the onion uh, for, from where I went to and went through um, baseball and sports was an out for me. It was an out from the internal world of hell that I lived in. And for myself, I've always thought that I was set apart. I never thought I was normal. I never really felt like I fit in with with crowds that I was trying to interject into, but never did I ever think that I was better than anybody else. So I want to make that very clear. Um, there's a difference of not feeling, you know, feeling different than feeling like you're better than everybody else. That's an ego thing. So, uh, you know, looking back, my out was sports, man. I, I couldn't wait to get on that baseball field. Yep. I couldn't wait. Like I remember sitting in the, the dentist chair uh, as, you know, eight, nine years old in Southern California and looking out the window and it was raining and it was just after school and I was supposed to have practice that day. And, you know, it very rarely ever rains in Southern California. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was so like 
mortified that practice was going to be canceled. So it wasn't more like a, a love for the game. It wasn't for like, like, and I think if I love the game, I'd still like be involved in a certain extent, meaning that at least I'd be a fan. I'm not even a fan. I don't even watch baseball. I don't watch sports. I don't, I don't get involved with it. I'm trying to watch the Phoenix suns right now because they're in the playoffs, you know, it's all right, but it's like, ah, like, like I'd rather be doing something else. So baseball was an out for me. I, I enjoyed that time of, of immersing myself in this, in the moment of trying to figure out how to throw the baseball in a specific square of the cinder block on the wall and just kind of match that skill set. It was my, my way of getting lost from my reality. And my reality is formed from experiences that I went through through my adolescence. That's what happens for all of us. We have these experiences that we go through and how we communicate and interpret those experiences to ourselves forms a perception. And that perception is how we view life. So uh, my family, my dad, he wasn't, he wasn't a bad person. He always viewed him as a horrible person. I always viewed him as, man, I hate this guy. And it's, it's sad to sit here and say this at 45 years old with five kids, you know, that, that I had those perceptions and I had that perspective of my father. But like I said, when we're in our adolescence, you know, some people treat things differently. I had two older brothers. They treated the situation 100% differently than myself. And they always said, like, I was, you know, had preferential treatment and I was a favorite kid. And, and, we, and I was like, where was I with all this stuff? <laughs> Because the way I perceived it was, I, my dad hated me, he didn't love me, and I'm not good enough. So that's, that, that's what I want to convey to people is that, did I love baseball? I don't know. I can't honestly tell you I do. I love the aspects of it. I mean, there's no, there's no feeling that like putting on your uniform and walking from the clubhouse down to in the tunnel to the dugout, get ready for a game. Like that, that feeling is just like euphoric. It's just like, I'm going to war. I'm, I'm putting my suit on. I'm a warrior and I'm going to compete. And not just going to compete, but I'm going to go compete in front of 40,000 people. So that gives you a feeling that could, does a really good job of numbing that pain. Yep. See, we all have pain points in our life. We have pain points and pressure through our life through the experiences that we go through. And everybody interprets and communicates those experiences and those pain points differently. That's what makes it beautiful. We're all different people. For myself, uber intense, Uber competitive and super sensitive with my emotions. Not a good combination, especially <laughs> to play baseball where you fail all the time. Yep. So maybe hockey, maybe I'd have dreams of playing hockey, maybe football, or maybe just a totally different platform. Maybe like I'm on now, do I want to have to navigate all that failure all the time and let that, you know, push into my DNA and my belief system and my, my identity of who I was. So I was always one of the better players growing up. Um, and that's because I worked, you know, I had a little bit of, you know, talent, but I had an innate drive inside myself. And I think that's what separates people that are average to good and good to great and great to phenomenal. It's that innate ability inside yourself. It's not much talent. Look at Jeff Bezos. How much talent does this guy have? Richest man in the world. You know what I mean? But it's this innate drive that you have in you and sitting down now with my mom, because my father passed away uh, three years ago, uh, moved her down next to me and, and take her to lunch once or twice a week and sitting down. And she's like, you know what, son, I drive you home from little league practice or soccer, or soccer games or baseball games. And I always remember you like being so mad in the car. And she's like, I couldn't figure out why you'd be so mad in the car because you always perform so well. And she said, she'd asked me 
at that age. I don't remember this because I checked out. Right. Because like I said, baseball, the sports was my escape from my inter- my internal world. My world, not my external world, my internal world of hell that I created. So she'd always sit, tell me that. And, I, and I'd always tell her, you know what, mom? The other kids in my team are just, they're just not trying as hard. They suck. They're like, <laughs> not that they suck like, like, like their ability, but they suck because they don't care like I care. Yep. So where does that come from? What is that? And if we could bottle that up and maybe like shake it up and put it in a fair and, and, and throw it on people, that's what it takes for somebody to be able to tap into that creativity of what you're trying to talk about. Tap into something that they've been put here to do because I'll, I believe everybody's been put here for a purpose and a reason. We all have a calling. And what is that? For me, I summited the mountain of Major League Baseball, became a two-time All-Star Man, flying private jets, mansions, cars, uh, 300 pairs of shoes. I was a shoe whore, man. I love <laughs> shoes. Uh, uh, you know, tens of millions of dollars in the bank. And I remember flying, and it's the perfect story. I remember flying to the All-Star game in 2005 to play in the All-Star game to represent Toronto Blue Jays. This is funny because it's my past life. Right. And I'm flying in a Citation 10 jet, the fastest civilian jet in the world. I, mean, I leave Chandler, Arizona. Chandler Airport down here next to where I live. I live in Queen Creek, Arizona, which is southeast of Phoenix, about 40 minutes. And I thought I was pimping and I thought I was the coolest dude around because you need 5,000 feet of runway for an airport to take off in a private jet. This runway had 4,995 feet. They made a special uh, occasion for me to to fly in a private jet. I was the only person at this airport. It's like a local community airport to fly out in a private jet. How sick is that? Like, that's so, that's so stroking the ego. That's somebody that's so gone, disconnected. Right. But I'm flying to the All-Star game at 64,000 feet going 640 miles an hour. This is the fastest civilian jet in the world. Pilot, co-pilot, myself in the back. 10-passenger jet. Going, multi-million dollar jet. Going to the All-Star game. My childhood dream where when I was in the backyard, throwing a ball against the wall, that's what I'd always envision. Because I knew if I just got there, I can get my dad's approval and I get my dad's admiration and I could feel love and I can get accepted by everybody else because I'll be on TV. I'm flying to that experience. I look out the window. I can't see the ground. I'm so high. What's going through my mind? As I'm going to my childhood dream, I effing hate myself. I hate everything about this stuff. So where does that stem from? That stems from those experiences. That stems from how we navigate pain because we all have pain points in our life and the perspective that we give that pain will drive us will go out there and allow us to either tap into that power that we have from within because we all have an absolute power that's absolutely insane to tap into that the truer version of yourself or it limits you from tapping into that power so i tell you that is that perspective that i formed with the pain points in my life was extremely negative it was victim-esque. It was a victim-esque. I don't even know if that's a word. It's a victim <laughs> <like> mindset. It. <laughs> victim-esque. It was a victim mindset. And I always blamed everybody else. And I always made excuses because I couldn't identify or put a name or understand that pain inside myself. And it's crazy because that pain drives so many people. It drives them to drinking from the bottle, picking up the drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, gambling, food, uh, Netflix, Benji, like, you, you want to torture me, dude? Put me, in, put me in COVID and sit me down and say, you got to watch a next Netflix series all day long. I'll be like, freaking, I'd rather headbutt a butter knife. Like, like, and then, you know, we got Amazon. We got all these things to escape our reality of where we are. But at the same point, we have all these things, the technology at our fingertips to allow us to break through to the greatest version of ourselves. 
But that perspective to that pain is going to drive us or limit us and direct us with how we outlook and perceive with our direction in life. So with myself, I, I used that pain to get to the major leagues, but I wasn't able to sustain it because I couldn't handle it. I got exhausted. My will, I wore out. I was, I was, I was done. Like every night I was on the field, I was trying to prove my worth to everybody else instead of, instead of just focusing on proving it to myself. So uh, that was extremely powerful in my life. And it's extremely prevalent as I, as I, you know, watch people and observe people and, and work with my clients and stuff like that is like, this is such a common thread. And this has become a, a pandemic of this is greater than COVID is like, man, so many people are just so welcoming to be complacent and mediocre, mediocre, and then live in the status quo that society has created for us, that the government has created for us, that all these external companies are leveraging this to be able to make millions and billions of dollars to prey on our weaknesses. And it makes me sad. Uh, no, I, dude, I, I love it. Like I can, I'm, you're getting me jacked up from like, I mean, and I can see how important your public speaking is because you're like, you get, I can just like, I'm already like, yes, yes. And <laughs> what do I do now? I mean, no, seriously, <laughs> but I, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you talk about like baseball, like I'm, I'm old school baseball guy. Like, baseball is inherently a failure based sport. And I like, I'm, I'm wondering if that, did that contribute to, to your kind of like spiral in that sense? Because like, you're constantly fighting that internal bat. Like my downfall as a baseball player was I could never, like, if I struck out, I couldn't let that go. And it's, you know, like, and you have to like, you like, or, or you're going to fail 70% of the time, but it's like, in my head, it's like, I gotta, I gotta keep doing it. Like I get, you know, and it's just like, I couldn't get past that. And it just like, it spirals out. I mean, do you think that that was, was part of that? Because again, like, you know, some of the things that I read about, like, and I remember you talking about this is that you did leave, you kind of left baseball and you were still the in your of my prime. Career. Yeah. And it's like, and I loved every aspect of it. Of leaving? Is crazy. <laughs> I loved it. So that, that, that's a great question. I want to answer that question that you yeah. just asked. Is that you know, the failure uh, a tribute to um, the demise of my career, the demise of, of Shea Hillenbrand? And uh, absolutely not. And I was able to navigate that. I was really good at that. Like, and, it's, and, it's, and, I, and, I, and I tread these waters lightly um, because I understand, but I felt like Michael Jackson. The only place he felt at home was on stage. Right. or in the studio or training to escape his world of hell that he had formed from his external world. See, that's, there's a difference there. And what he did, you know, from escaping that with extracurricular activities, that's where I want to leave it. It's not, I don't, I don't care. It's none of my, none of my choice, my, my decision uh, or for me to judge. But for myself, I only felt at home in the batting cage or in the batter's box. And what I was trying to do, like I said, was I was trying to prove to everybody else my worth. Because when you don't have any worth inside with yourself, you're so trying to seek approval from other people. That's the number one thing we try to do is we're so scared of other people's opinion of ourselves. So I'm in a business 
a multi-billion dollar business where only 20,000 people over a hundred year span has been uh, blessed to be able to, 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 to experience that. And I didn't view it as a business. I've used it. Uh, I viewed it as an identity. I viewed it as, dude, don't you see what I just did? I, I, I laid everything on the line for you. Like, like, you don't know what I went through every single night to go out there when I was playing hurt, when I was playing sick, when I had all this pain to distractions, all these troubles off the field, I put them aside and I put up numbers for you. Like, like, and, and I put smiles and I put fans in the seats, especially in Boston and, 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 and I helped transform and impact so many people's lives by me going out there and doing what I did on the field. And you're going to trade me. You don't want me. Rip it open that scab from that wound from my father uprooting our family from beautiful Southern California at 14 years old to the hot desert of Arizona. Right before I went to high school and junior high, that's what happened. That's my defining moment of my life. And like I said, with that experience, I interpreted that experience from a place of pain. I felt pain because my only escape from my internal world of hell was my community of childhood friends. And it was the best childhood ever. And I was one of the best athletes over there and I was well known with that. So I was able to attach my identity to that and not myself because I was kind of a crummy little kid. Right. Um, and that, that, it just straight up, authentic, transparent. Like it just sucks. I bully kids and, and it sucks. It, ah, it's, it's, it's a horrible feeling. So, so my dad moved us and I had to start everything over at 14 years old, going into high school, yeah. like, 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 pivotal points in your life as a, as a, as a teenager. And, you know, the way I interpreted that and the story I told myself was I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. My dad doesn't love me. So that's what drove me to the top in, in the minor leagues in five years. I was player of the year, three of the five years. I, I quit. I quit after my first season. I hated every aspect of it, but it's like, where am I going to place my identity now? What am I going to do? And it was always my childhood dream to play in Dodger stadium because I grew up a diehard Dodger fan in Southern California. So it's just like, what do you do? Where do you go? Who do you talk to? Because the higher you go, the less people can understand. The higher you go, the bigger, the, the more of a bubble you go into. So your focus can be sustained because in a, then at that level, you really think nobody understands what you're going through. Yep. You have no clue what I'm going through. So I'm going to this fight all alone. Because if I expose a weakness, now it's a hit on my ego because I'm treated like a god. But another thing is, if you're exposing any type of weakness inside an organization, a team gets a hold of it, they could use that against you to get rid of you. So now you bottle everything up and you try to harness it and put it into a position to, to drive you to perform every single night. It's sick. It's it's sickening. And they wonder why there's so much mental many mental health problems. That's what I, that's what I was just gonna like say to you is like yeah. like. Two, this is maybe a two-party kind of a question, but in the last, you know, like maybe 10 years, really mental health has become so prevalent and, and, you know, so many athletes are actually speaking to it finally, you know, the Kevin Lowe's, the Brandon Marshall's that the, uh, um, what's her name? The tennis player, the other, that just left yeah, the French yeah. open. And it's finally, it's like, people are taking this shit seriously. I mean, and, and, and this is kind of a hindsight question, but is, do you think it's something that if you were able to, I don't want to say diagnose, but be able to have these kind of discussions that you're having now, which are so beneficial, not probably not just for yourself, but I think for 
just a ton of people to hear you talk about this stuff. Do you think, maybe this is a stupid question, but do you think that it would have helped you in your playing days? Would it have been hundred percent? Yeah. I, I was having this conversation earlier. I actually, I did a, I did an Instagram live. I would, the Shea Hillenbrand playing major league baseball in my prime. I would have paid the Shea Hillenbrand now a million dollars. I would have wrote him a check here. I'll write you a check. Come with me. Show me the way. Right. I need you to be with me. I need you to hold my hand because we're going to go to places internally that are going to suck. Yep. It's going to suck because we had to go to those places, those pain points and those pressure points to get you to understand who you truly are. So you could adapt to, for, for what? Not, not, to, not to find yourself, but to tap into a deeper power from within inside yourself. And when you tap into that deeper power from within inside yourself, you operate on a higher level of frequency. And I was always told I was slated to be a hundred million dollar player. 300 batting average, 30 home runs, yeah. 100 RBIs. I knew I could do that. I knew it. Like in, in, inside myself, I knew I could do that year in and year out. I didn't. Why, did I, why didn't I not do that? I can, I can care less about the money because I'm going to make so much more money now than I ever did playing baseball. That's just perspective. What I do is I'm fascinated about is why didn't that Shea Hillenbrand reach the potential that he knew he could? Only I know what potential I have. Right. Right. Once you tap into that, you know inherently what you're capable of doing once you bust through all those limited beliefs and that BS and all that crap rambling around inside yourself that's formed this belief system of complacency. So I knew I could do that. So I wanted to dive like, what is it? And I, when I reverse engineered it, that's what it is. So for the life of me, I can't comprehend how organizations or, or whomever's involved with, you know, employing these athletes. How do you not get this done? How do you not help these, these players, these athletes work in their heart and work in their mind as a person first? All they do is focus on the athlete performing on the field or on the court or in the arena or whatever that might be because it's a business. Yep. But what happens is I know this for a fact. If you do that, that athlete will perform more for you. Do they want the athletes to perform better for them? Do they have to pay them more or what? There's so many different dynamics involved with this that are deeper level that, that we don't know we just see it as a surface level thing as, you know, from the outside, but from the inside, for one, the guys, the, the athletes that are coming out and talking about mental health, the other athletes within the game, they perceive that as a weakness. Yep. They perceive that 100% as a weakness. You're a wussy, you're lame, you're da da da, it's just covering that up. That's what you're going to get. So you're going to get that friction. So at what point in time in a career or what point in time during the cycle of a career is it during the off season? Is it the beginning of the off season? Is it, is it before, is it high school? Is it, is it when they go into college? Cause how many athletes are in college that went to D one schools that are premier athletes that don't go on to play professional after that are going through the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So if we free them up, maybe then at that point they could tap into their creativity. That's, that's, what that's exactly what, what happens like. is if your identity is wrapped up and it's blocked into what you do and you're so singularly focused on, I have to perform, I have to train to go out there and do what I need to do. You lose all sense of reality, not of reality of the external world, but of internal world because everything revolves around every sleeping hour is like, I got to do this to get that. Well, do you? Or is there a way we could tap into our creativity like Barry Zito did and he played the guitar, did all this stuff while he's playing or, or uh, a couple other guys uh, that, that play because Brett Tomka, we work with Brett Tomka. He's a fantastic painter. Just unbelievable. Yeah. 
And it's you like, don't know that. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. I didn't add zero creativity. Because you know why? Because you're always living in your survival. There's two states of operation we can operate from, two states of being. There is a survival state or there is a an empowering state. Oh, that's cool. That's one of his and if, you're, and if you're operating from the survival state all the time, you lose creativity, you lose love, you lose the ability to, 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 to live life. Yep. So well, what happens is just like the athletes, just like so many people out there right now listening to this or watching this, are you merely surviving? Yep. Or are you living? Yep. Because no, the and goal that's is what, to live. That's what, what we're trying to inspire is creativity opens up you, you, you as a human to be more critically, critical thinking. It opens you up to be more accepting it, it, you know, like when you, when you're playing sports and you get into that so-called zone, that's like the best feeling, you know, and, and, in in creative world, it's called the flow. You want to get into that space where you just kind of disappear and everything just happens. And if you can do that, God, it just, it changes everything, but you're right. Like that, that's one of the problems is there's still that aura around well, you're just an athlete. That's what you do. That's who you are. And it's like, no, man, like people do other things. Like that's just what you do. That's not who I am, you know, but I, I it's had ingrained that- into us that's from such a young right. age. Absolutely. You like, it's just, it's how could you not think anything or believe anything differently? Well, especially and that's where the struggle is. Yeah. And especially like for you that made it to, like you said, you made it to the highest point but yet you had, you didn't have that outlet or you didn't know what that outlet was because, I mean, did you like, you truly, I mean, you said you didn't really love the game, but I assume through all that. I love the paychecks. Right. (laughs) 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 But you probably, like you probably just really ended up despising the game in some ways. Yes. What happens is you is, 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 is basically, it's very simple. Baseball, you have to have a reciprocity, right? Baseball is like a relationship. Because there's so much failure involved. Oh, yeah. Yep. So if you don't love the game, it's going to eat you up and spit you out alive. And that's the challenge with these kids nowadays that are coming up. And you see it in the major leagues all the way down. There's seven no-hitters already in this season. I'm, how is that even possible? I don't know, dude. How, how is that even possible? <laughs> and actually so, eight because Baumgartner threw a seven. Yeah. I mean, I, hey, yeah. it, that's the way they're playing the game. That's a f- complete game to me. But you have to give reciprocity. And if you don't know how, to, how do you give reciprocity to something? How do you, how do you give to something? You have to fill yourself up first. And I always say this, Oprah said it best. You're in charge of filling yourself up and keeping yourself full. Yep. We don't, as athletes, we don't even know how to fill ourselves up. What is that? That's having that space like you're talking about to go to, to the creative space, to be able to go escape and go into somewhere to be able to like this, allow yourself to recharge. So what happens is when I go to that creative space, I'm actually recharging my batteries. I'm recharging who I am. We don't do that. You know what they do? They go play video games. Yep. Like, like, like a grown up playing video games. I can't even comprehend that. And that's just, (laughs) and and we'll leave it right there. But, but it's just like, that's, is that filling you up or is that? still driving your competitive nature or is that getting you in a confrontation with somebody else you're playing against or whatever, you know? So, so you have to understand how to fill yourself up. I didn't know how to fill myself up. The way I filled myself up was drinking coffee in the morning and taking greenies during the game, which is a form of speed yeah. and going out there and crushing people. And just wanted to just like obliterate like the pitcher. Like, this is like, how, how can I leave that field and have a conducive, productive relationship with my wife? Right. Like it's, it's, it's not existent. 87%, get this, 
87% of Major League Baseball players, when they get finished playing, they lose their money, they lose their, family, their wife, and they have a chemical dependency. Oh, Jesus. But they're, we're all going to sweep this under the rug, and we're going to ignore it because we're just a piece of the pond. But imagine the creativity. Imagine the power that these athletes have because they're, 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 they're different. Yep. Like, like, what is it that allowed me to get to the top? It's, it's being able to navigate failure. It's being able to perform under pressure. It's being able to, to understand how to make adjustments, to be able to pivot, to, to process information super quick. Imagine if we use those intangibles that we trained up at such a high level and put it into something else to be able to impact the world, like I'm doing right now yep. in speaking or in writing a book or, or workshops or, or seminars or whatever. And that's where it's at. And if you don't know how to fill yourself up, and this is this goes across the board. This is what I'm trying to like preach to people right now. Like, dude, you're in charge of filling yourself up. We have to be selfish. And people are so, oh, I don't want to be selfish because I'm th- that I'm thinking about myself and I want to put other people first. And that's the problem. You can't put other people first until you fill yourself up. What do we have to do on a daily basis? I have to get on that mountain and hike. I got to get up and I got to watch what I put in my mouth. I have to make sure I'm eating a proper food because as you know, as you see, I have a tremendous amount of passion. I have a tremendous amount of intensity. If I don't fuel myself properly, that turns toxic. And now the influence that I have on people becomes in a negative perspective. So I have to be careful how much water I drink. I got to drink a ton of water. I have to be careful how much, how much, uh, how much sleep I get. I got the the whoop whoop band, and it's the best thing ever. Uh, I love it because it's, we, now I can. I actually like, had, I, can, I had the VP of performance on the podcast. You should listen to it, Kristen Holmes. Awesome. She's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So it's like now, now, I'm, now I'm analyzing that. I'm like, man, I didn't get good sleep last night. What is it? Okay, now I got to watch my diet yesterday because I want to show up every single flipping day because I found my purpose and I found my power and I found my position of what I'm supposed to do in this world. And that's it. So after I summoned that mountain of major league baseball, I'm standing on top of this mountain with me. I'm like, this, this is what it is. This, this, this is stupid. This is not where I'm supposed to be. Right. Go somewhere else. All right, let's, let's go buy a zoo. So I did that. Yeah. <laughs> like who does that? Well, I think I'm the <laughs> in the history to go from major league baseball to owning a zoo, <laughs> but it's unique. It's yeah. cool. So now I'm having a movement of what's your zoo. What's your zoo? See, what happens is the lion's the apex predator in the wild. He's on a safari. I don't know why they say lions in a jungle. Lions don't live in a jungle. Tigers live in a jungle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's an apex predator. So his instincts are phenomenal. His creativity to be able to capture prey is amazing. Being able to teach his young, nothing like it. The roar could be heard for miles. You take that lion who's an apex predator, who's an alpha on top of the world with all these instincts that are given to him by God. You put him into a zoo, you watch him through a glass window, or you look at through the bars, what happens? What do you see? You see a docile animal that's conforming to his environment, that's been given in and sitting there complacent, mediocre. And he's waiting for his next meal. He doesn't do anything. He loses all of his instincts because he's been put into, his, into that, confined to that zoo. So what happens if he breaks loose? I don't know. I saw the movie Madagascar and everybody's <laughs> afraid of the lion when they get out. And he's like, what am I doing? I'm happy, go lucky. And all of a sudden the instincts kick back in, right? He wants to pray. The saliva kicks in. The laser focus kicks in. All these inherent instincts that he has goes into play. So what does that mean? Why am I saying this? We're like that lion. We have instincts. We have that creativity. We have this inherent ability to create and be the greatest version of ourselves. But 
instead of that glass wall, instead of those bars, we're sitting behind self-doubt. We're sitting behind other people's opinions of us. We're sitting behind teachers and directors and government telling us what to do and how we should conform to what they say so they can control us so we can become docile. And also, we're wrapped up in that zoo with limited beliefs, BS, mediocrity, and complacency. Conforming to the status quo on the internal world of who we are, we lose all aspects of instincts. So if you ask me of how creative I was, I'm not creative. I wasn't creative. I couldn't even think about creativity playing Major League Baseball because I was confined to that internal zoo. So what's that zoo that are people fighting? What's the confinement? What are those things that are holding us back? It's those experiences, those pain points. Pain's uncomfortable. We've been created to move away from pain and go towards pleasure. That's our, that's our human needs. So what happens is when these pain points come up, we form a perspective inherently in our subconscious system and that dictates where we go and the actions we take. And we're all inherently lazy. All of us are. We all are. Man, bro, I would rather sit around sometimes just chill. Like last week, I was on the beach, Mexico. <laughs> totally cool. I love it. But what do we have to do? You're never going to find anything there. So many people are so cool of chilling in the status quo. Like mediocrity is not only accepted now, it's the norm. I gave a speech yesterday on stage. And I'm looking at the audience and my, my speech was falling on deaf ears of 98% of the people. They, and not because like, oh, you, whatever. They were in a position. We've been dumbed down so much. We've been meds, pushed down so much to where we're not even able to listen or hear. But most importantly, we can't feel. We can't feel because when we experience that pain, we go to numb that pain. We numb that pain. I want to take a quick second to remind everyone to follow Shay on Instagram at Shay underscore Hillenbrand. Also remember to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Now, back to Shay. Do you think that that, I always say that baseball, for me, was so important because it did teach me failure. Like, you know, and, and as an artist, I think that it's the same way. It's like, if I, if I create something, I expect to succeed 30% of the time. And I think baseball taught me that that it's, it, I don't want to say it's okay because I, I was always fighting to like be better just like I am as, as an artist, but it, it allows me to, to learn from that failure. And do you think people now are afraid to failure or f- afraid to fail now where that, that dictates the kind of what you were just saying? It's like, society is like not allowing us to fail society's putting us in that zoo in that box this is where you're supposed to be and you can't go outside of that box because well if you go outside the box you might fail and if you can't handle failure and you know i mean like is do you think that that's part of it because i again like this is kind of some of the stuff that i teach it's like it's i don't want to say it's okay to failure to fail but it's that's where you learn. Like that's, that's where you grow is like going through those, those tough shitty times, you know, 
Is that something you think about? Like when you're you know, like doing your speaking engagements, it's like, do you talk about that failure aspect? Absolutely. And I loved how, how you brought it there. I wrote a couple notes down when, uh, cause I didn't want to lose that thought when, when you were saying that, cause it stimulated exactly what I wanted to say is that uh, if we're going to talk about the baseball world, um, failure is accepted now. Yep. See what happens is when we failed, we didn't accept it. Right. We use that pain point from that failure. When you fail, you experience pain. When you fail, you experience pressure, right? So, but when, when we played, we use that pain point and pressure to move towards working. And we allow that to drive us towards working to seek a success. And that's where we found the pleasure, always moving from pain, going to pleasure. So if I'm failing all the time in baseball, I'm uncomfortable, but it's easy for me just to accept that uncomfort. You know what? Failure is accepted here. You know what? You could hit 210. Just try to hit us 30 home runs. Yep. You could hit two. You know how hard it is to hit 200 in the big leagues? Like they throw strikes all day long. All you got to do is just put a decent swing on it. You're going to get a hit. Or you could bunt it the other way to the <laughs> shift or hit a ball like for a base hit. But that's frowned upon. Yep. It's all or nothing, right? So what happens with society is that once we get this failure, we experience the pain or the pressure. We we, we, f- there, there's always a healthy fear with failure. Like fear is always present. Fear is given into us to get us to move, right? To move towards where we want to go. But what happens is that fear turns into self-doubt for the vast majority of people. So now that fear from that failure is attached to their identity. Now they have self-doubt. Now they have no self-worth. When you feel that self-doubt, is it a good feeling? Heck no. It's a pain feeling. And when you have that pain feeling, and you have self-doubt and you don't have, you know, it turns into no self-worth. What happens is you don't want to move. So what do we do? We instantly go from fear. We go from failure to fear, to self-doubt. So now we experience that. Now we go to numbing that. That's why we have so many obese people out here. So now these big companies, fast food, all this stuff, processed food, all they see this pain point. They're like, ah, we can make money here. The dude that made hot Cheetos, I don't know how he could be excited because it's <laughs> chock full of chemicals. And I'm, I'm like, dude, like this is like just nonsense, you know, it, it, whatever. But it's just like, if we just sit back and see where this is, it's like, no wonder why when a pandemic comes, we have everybody, it's a complete shit show. You know what I did during the pandemic? I stayed focused on what I'm doing and I stayed where I was and I moved forward and I, okay, I mean, and I think I learned this playing baseball. You can adapt really quick, right? I got to, if I feel, I got to adjust, I got to adjust, I got to adapt. Okay. We got a pandemic. We got closed down. We only got closed down for two weeks in Arizona. Yep. That's what's crazy out here. We're in the wild west. So the only difference out here, we just got to wear masks in restaurants. No, nothing was shut down, but, but okay. Uh, I, I can't do real estate anymore because it's, it's, it's hit. Okay. What am I going to do? Okay. I'm going to adjust over here. I'm going to stay focused here. I'm not going to utilize that, that, that experience or that pain point to go sit on the couch and do Netflix and, and gain weight and, and do like, what is this? Like, it's, it's amazing, but it's all the psychology of it. Once we have that failure, we're going to have fear. Fear is involved with it. There's pressure. There's pain. But for the vast majority, it turns into self-doubt. That yep. self-doubt is attached to your identity. Fear is not attached to your identity. That's self-doubt. Oh, now that forms a perspective. Now I think the world's going to end. Now I think it's like I'm going to fall, my, my house is going to crumble or it's going to catch on fire, whatever that is, you know? So it's like the people that have success figure this out. 
they tap into that inherent ability. Okay, what do I do now? Like, I just fell into this stuff during the pandemic. I was like, okay, now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to shift over here. Now, now, now let's go to this point. How can I help people? Like, what better person to help people than me? Because I left, I like my, my identity got cut off with baseball and I went through absolute hell for seven years. Like I was one breath away from losing my life. So like, I'm like, I got to speak. I got to share my message. I got to help these people. Everything's going to be all right. You just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yep. But most people don't want to do that. They think it's too hard. I'm too far off. I'm 60 pounds overweight. I, I, I don't have the job. I'm in this place right here. My marriage is in shambles. My kids are on drugs. Like, like I'm in the status quo. I'm, and what do I do? We instantly go to numb that. We numb that pain. Go grab that bag of Doritos. Go get that pizza delivered. Go through the drive-thru. Like my daughter the other day, her friend was over. And I was like, here, we're going to go eat dinner. She's like, oh, I'm not hungry for dinner. She's 14 going to, she's an all-star cheer. And I was like, we're going to eat dinner. She's like, well, I'm not hungry. I'm like, what do you mean you're not hungry? She's like, oh, we, we got cookies from Crumble. We had them delivered. <laughs> like the big gourmet cookies. I'm like, you had cookies delivered to our house? Like, and you paid 25, like, no it wonder is, why you didn't tell me. It is a different world. It is a different world. But it's like, I'm experiencing this pain point or I feel this pressure. And if this pressure, all they got to do is go on here. I could order a damn cookie and have it delivered. Like the accessibility of that, that numbing aspect of everything, it's right there. And that's the problem. We got to switch that from being one breath away from losing that to being understanding one breath away, the perspective of, of a breakthrough of, of the gratification of, of what I feel now. The only way I thought I could ever feel this was by, by being blasting like Adderall. I used to take Adderall a ton and drink a ton, like in Red Bulls and all that stuff. And like, like it's all right because it's, it's a prescribed drug. So it's not the same thing as Coke, you know, unless you have a problem, you know, I have a, a, a ADHD or whatever. I didn't have that. I just wanted to escape. So same, same with Ritalin, Ritalin's like cocaine. If you don't, if you don't have uh, yeah. ADD. But, but man, what the feeling you get from that, from, the numbing, that pain is just, it's just like, it's euphoric. It's like, man, this is amazing. I got to get more. Then you go down you feel like crap. And it's like, you're in this endless cycle of nothingness. This is what people do with food from meal yep. to meal to meal, yep. you know? And then I go down to Mexico and like, like it's the most obese country in the world and they don't have anything accessible. They don't have fruits and vegetables and they have Coca-Cola. Yep. Every person's they're putting Coca-Cola in, in, in bottles, baby bottles, because it's less expensive than the milk, you know? So it's like, how are you the owner of CEO of Coca-Cola? Like, you know what? I feel great about myself. It's the number one recognized logo in the world. And it stands for yeah. like, there's nothing good to it. So yeah, we got to be able to have that strength. Yeah. We have that power within us like that lion. we got to get out of that internal zoo. And once you do that, that's where it begins. And you start growing, start developing. Progression's the key to happiness in yeah. whatever we do. Yep. We all want instant gratification. We want to go from level one to level 10. Of course. I got to go from here. I got to be here. I got to be here because that guy's here or this person's here or this artist is here. Or this No, dude. What is it? Ross, Bob Ross painting. Like he, he started yes. with one little tree, <laughs> but he made it look so damn happy, easy. Happy like, little tree. Yep. Right. He made it look so easy. You know, it's like, that's actually I want to do that. That's one of the teaching things that I do. It's like, especially with my student athletes and, and, and even like people that we work with, you know, professional athletes, like, well, I don't know how to paint a stick figure. And it's like, well, you didn't know how to throw a 96 mile an hour slider either at the beginning. You had to work at it. Creativity is the same way. Sit down, do something every day. 
you'll notice it gets better. It's just like practice. It is a practice, but we don't think of it that way in the same sense as we think about athletics. It's the same damn thing. It's the same damn thing. You have to practice. You'll get better. It doesn't mean you have to, you're going to be a professional artist. Guess what? That's not easy either. You don't need to be a professional artist. But that idea of practicing the craft, just like you do as an athlete. Check it out. Once you go to that space of creativity and you work with these guys about being, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be a professional painter or whatever. But you know what happens when you go to that space? When you're in that space of creativity and you're learning ideas come to you. Absolutely. When ideas come to you, those are the ideas that will transform your life. This is the Absolutely. last thing I thought I'd ever be doing in my life. I'd never thought ever that I would ever use my voice. I didn't even have a voice. I thought I was going to be make tens of millions of dollars, buy a horse farm, and then sit on the front porch and do nothing for the rest of my life. That's, that's, that was my blueprint. And being able to speak and be able to share my story and be able to stand up, like it's, it's the last thing. It's the last thing. But when I got into my space of who I was, you start discovering gifts and talents that you didn't know you had. And once you get those gifts and talents lined up with something that you really enjoy doing and that something that you really enjoy doing impacts other people's lives, that's where you find it. And that's, that's your creativity, man. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like 100%. being a public speaker, there's a creative outlet to that. Absolutely. I mean, I used to be a singer, you know, like there's absolute creativity in, in being in front of people and being able to tell people your story and connecting like that connection and that that like i always like one of the questions i always ask people on the podcast and i'll be really interesting to hear this like who are some people that inspire you like <laughs> nobody or, or influence like you know because i'm assuming that now it can be it can be like in the past and now because i'm assuming that that's what i was going to say it's like it's probably a really different list than like when you were 25 I didn't have a list before because, like I said, sports wasn't out for me. So right. why would I look up for somebody when I figured it out on my own? Right, right, right. Like, like you know what I mean? I, was, I wasn't going there to be like, like in 2005, I came on the field uh, for batting practice in, 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 uh, at Fenway Park. And the manager for the Blue Jays called me over. He says, come here. And it's right before the All-Star break. And I came over. He's like, congratulations. You made the All-Star team. And I was like, What? <laughs> I was going to go home for three days I'm, and I was pissed. Right, right, right. So, so, so why would I look up for a mentor when I'm pissed when I have success, you know? So, so one of those things like, you know, or, or what would you tell your, your 20 year old self? Nothing. I wouldn't listen. I wouldn't waste my time. Right. So, so it's just, uh, I never looked up to anybody. I never had a mentor. I never, I never like the coaches, like the coaches didn't know what they're doing. They were there to keep their butts. They're there to try to keep a job because their identity is a chat wrapped around what they're doing. Right. And they're doing all the same stuff off the field, promiscuous stuff, like nonsensical stuff. Like other thing that we're doing. Like, so why, why would I talk? Like I had six hitting coaches in the big leagues. One knew what he was talking about. You know, it's like, it's just like, so, so, so I'm going to use you. So no. Right. So now like, like whenever my wife goes out of town and I'm sitting in my bed by myself, I've turned on Netflix and I watch, I'm not your guru by Tony Robbins. And I cry every single time because my heart hurts for these people that are lost. My heart, because I, I was there. So it's like, I have an obsession for people not to feel the pain that I felt while I was on top of the world when I was supposed to have everything. So it's like one of those things where it's like, I look up to guys like him. You know, I look up to guys like Ed Milet. I look up to like uh, Rich Rolls. I don't know if you watch Rich Rolls. Yep. You should watch his podcast. He's awesome. Yep. You know, I, I'm always like, 
always looking at these guys to see where they're at and to pull extract things out. But I'm like, I'm like focused on myself, man. I'm like, I was always one of those guys that just go out there and I just do it. And then like, like the way, like I, I learned is like by doing it and my wife's the opposite. She's analytical. And she's like, if you got to do this and this and this and this and this, and, and you do this. And I'm like, no, I got to go. I'm like a bull in a China shop. I'm going to go and I, and I'm recording this podcast right now. I'm going to play it back. Okay. What did I do? How did I do this? What was your tone? What was this point? On this point, too long. How are you doing this? Just analyzing it and being a student. And then at that point in time, it's like if I get to a point where I need to go, I'll hire somebody in. It's like, okay, what do I need to do here now? So it's like, I really don't look at anybody for inspiration because I think I'm so different. And I'm so, like, I have a certain amount of people that are supposed to hear my voice. There's a certain amount of people that are supposed to hear your voice. Right. So I'm just focused on that. I'm not focusing on other people, their, their, their techniques and their strategies and, 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 and try to steal this from this person's like, if you sit in that space where you're free, whether it's meditating, whether it's on the ocean, whether it's painting or whatever, the information is going to get downloaded. Yep. It's going to get downloaded. I'm driving to Mexico and I didn't have anything. I was just taught, listening, listening uh, because I have a baseball academy down there. And that's where we were the last week. And it's like, you start with pain. And then from that pain, you get a perspective. And from that perspective that limits you or allows you to tap into the power that you have. And when you tap into that power, a deeper version of yourself, that's where creativity is stirred. And when you get creativity stirred, that leads you to your purpose. And when you're on your purpose, you don't get any better feeling. And out of that, that gets your profit. You can't not get paid if you do it in that sequence. That just came to me as I was driving. I didn't read it in a textbook, (laughs) but it's just like I'm in that space with experience. I'm in that space of being where I am. And a certain amount of information is going to be get downloaded to me. But what happens, and if nobody listens to anything else in this podcast, God will talk to you. He talks to you. That voice is always going to be there. But we run from that voice so far because we get so disarrayed. Life kicks us in the butt. We get these pressure points. We get these pain points. And we go over here. And if I do it this way, if I just find this pain point, and if this pain point drives me to the top, if I go to the top, I'm going to get the profit. And if I get the profit, that's going to be end all cure all. I'm going to be able to, it's going to cure all my problems if I have that money. It's not. We missed it. Those are the bookends. Those are the bookends. The pain point. The profit are the bookends. And that's where we go. We skip the steps in the middle. We skip the steps from the perspective. What perspective do I have to change with these pain points in my life? What was it? Was it an experience to my dad? Was my dad an alcoholic? Did my dad cheat on my mom? Did my dad abandon me? Did my mom leave me? Did I have a car accident? Did a family member die? Did, did, did something happen? Did I have a child that's on drugs? Did something happen to where I need to change that perspective to that pain point because that pain point is eating me alive from the inside? But it's so easy to escape that pain point right now, but that pain point never goes away. So you can actually rewrite history, not by changing the experiences in life, but going back and changing the perspective. For me, at 14 years old, my dad tells me moving us. Man, you know why he moved us? He moved us because to give me a chance to play Major League Baseball. In his mind, he thought if I stayed in Southern California, I'd be in the sea of so many people, the sea of red. Blood was prevalent. I would have sank like every one of my friends. So he took it on. They sacrificed to give me a chance. I didn't know that because when I felt that pain, I couldn't talk to nobody because it was so severe. It ached and it hurt. And my soul was grieving so much. And if I just proved to people that I could do this, that will go away. But it never went away. 
And I cut my parents out of my whole career. You know how sad that is? I have to live with that today. Talking about it right now stirs up pain inside myself. And that pain before was so severe, it drove me to drugs. It drove me to alcohol. It drove me to sex. It drove me to escape with everything. But now I was able to go back and say, you know what? You cut them out of your career because that pain you felt and that perspective you formed, that story you wrote in your mind, the form that zoo from that experience. Now go back to that experience, Shay. What happened to that experience? Your dad did, and he loved you the very best he could. And I had to peel back the layers of onion there and go back to see how my dad was raised and see how what he went through. He had to pull his mom out of the bars at 14 years old because his dad wouldn't do it. He couldn't go see his dad when he was an adult because he'd get into a fight with his mom every single time. Like they'd rip each other's head off because the pain that he felt from what his mom put him through. My mom told me this one month ago. And I'm like, mom. Why didn't you guys tell me this before? So I was able to go back and rewrite the history and say, you know what? I have empathy for my dad now. I have the goosebumps right now. Yeah. I have empathy for my dad now. Not disdain, not hurt, not disgust, not anger, not frustration. The only thing that I regret is not being able to do this before so I could have a different relationship from my dad, with my dad before he passed. But we did, we were able to mend things before he passed. But understanding now that my dad had to deal with what he had to deal with from five years old to 75 years old, that is a pure life of hell. Yeah. How could he not treat us kids like that? It wasn't bad. It was just, he was a white knuckler. He's just like dealing with those demons and he did the very best he could. So now I switched that perspective. You know what happens when I switch that perspective? I tap into a deeper version of myself. Creativity stems. Now it's pushing me towards. Now I can create. Now I, where's my purpose? Where can I go? I'm going to try to this. I'm going to try this. Well, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. Okay. Oh, th this is it. This is it. Get on a podcast. Any person that reaches out to me, get on a podcast. Why? Because my voice needs to reach maybe one person in your audience. Because I know that's my purpose. And the feeling I get after that, such fulfillment. And when you do that, you find your purpose. You refine your purpose and you adjust your purpose. That adjust, that purpose can go from me owning the zoo. The purpose behind that is what I needed was giving back, helping animals, helping kids, transform lives. The purpose behind that, do I need the zoo again? I would like to have it, but do I need it? No, I want to seek that purpose behind it. So now on a podcast, I can have that same purpose on this. On a stage, I can have that same purpose on there. At a speaking event or at a, at a round table, I was down in Mexico and the housekeeper, I started talking to her. She doesn't have a voice. She's a dirty Mexican. That's what these white people think about. She needs to take care of her house. I said, Vivian, how are you doing? You know what? My son's 30 years old. He's on drugs. It's killing me. Yeah. I just got divorced for 38 years. My husband needs to do this. Yeah? What are you going to do? I don't know. You need to focus on yourself, baby. You got to understand. What's your story? You know what? As you pull back the layers of onion in the living room of this house last week with the, with the, the housekeeper, her dad was alcoholic. Yeah. Her granddad was alcoholic. Her husband's an alcoholic. How could you not be where you are? Focus on yourself. Yep. Envision it. Pray for it. Is giving her hope. You know what that did for me? She's like, oh my gosh, she's crying. Mexican women don't cry. And she's just like, 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 you don't understand what that did for me. They gave me what I'm supposed to do. And when you do that, the profit can't not come. But everybody focuses on the end all cure all of the money. 
I'm not going to be a professional painter. Well, why would you be a professional painter? So you can get the profit. Why else would you be a professional painter? Or to get the notoriety, to stroke the ego. If you just go out there and make that one stroke, if you go out there and try to master that skill set, because skill sets have utility, man. Yep. Skill sets have utility. Just focus on that. And who knows what will happen? Sky's the limit. You Absolutely. can't control where you're going to go. You just have to control how you go. Yep. Dude, I, I feel like that, that was like a great ending. And uh, it... But Sorry, you, like, I get I get going sometimes. No, and it just, dude, it gets, I, gets downloaded, and I, I feel it so purely in my heart. To, like I'm so convicted with this, where it's like this because I had it all, man. Like like this. That's what I like try to say to people. Is like I'm not given theory. I'm not given like textbook Stanford psychology, whatever. I'm given experience. Yep. Like real life experience that worked for me. That's the thing that academia doesn't understand. Is people that get stuck in those. You talk about the zoo. People get stuck in those four walls of academia and they don't actually live life. That's where the shit's at, man. Like, you know, you did live it. You are living it and you're honest. And, you know, I just reading again, like your bio, like, you know, you do so many different things. Like you're, do you still do real estate? Are you still doing? Yeah. To some extent. But I mean, yeah. I think like my wife makes me do real estate. Yeah, but I think your like your real passion is what you're doing in in terms of giving back, in terms of telling your story, in terms of speaking, in terms of uh, you know, like I started out this podcast with you know one of the things that I think is so important to me in in this podcast is bringing on people that I think can inspire people and. You know, like, I, you know, when we met for the first time on Clubhouse, it's like, oh, dude, this guy, like, really, you know, you got to me, like, in terms of, like, how you tell your story, your vulnerability. Uh, and I think that that inspiration and what you give back is so fucking important. Like, I really, really, truly think that, that you do change people's lives by allowing yourself to be out there, you know, and that's not easy. Like it's I'm not sh- easy. And it takes a lot of work. Yep. It takes a lot of work. And I, and I've put in a tremendous amount of work. So the same amount of work that I put in the batting cage I'm doing here now, yep. like every waking hour, every second I get, I'm not, I, 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 I have a podcast in, or I have, I'm taking notes. I'm writing stuff down. I, like my wife's like, you take more notes than anybody I've ever met. Like, <laughs> like it's just, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm putting it down, man, because I'm freeing up the space to receive more. Um, yep. And it's crazy that listen to you talk is that this is my number one prize uh trophy playing baseball the only thing i kept wow. I, I actually i actually pawned off my all-star rings that i got because really? i didn't have any money so i could so i can eat yeah um i don't have anything else and that's the casey at bat statue and garth brooks has a foundation uh, that he does uh and what that does it, that helps out there's a statue in williamsport pennsylvania in center field for the little league world series it's a nine foot bronze statue of the casey at bat yeah I'm trying to do it right, right there yeah. <laughs> um and what it symbolizes, 25 of, 25 of us major leaguers donated money for the Challenger Little League. And the Challenger Little League provides opportunity, little, little games for terminally ill and handicapped kids to be able to play the sport. And Garth Brooks was telling this story about these kids that are terminally ill, their dying wish is to be buried in baseball uniforms. 
So that's what we did is we, we supported that and I support that now. And, 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 that. and then this right here is, is this right here is my dad, my, my dad's ashes in my, in my box there. So my dad's always with me. So uh, with, with that, like, like baseball, it's, it's nothing. It's a game. It's, it's, it's nothing. It's, 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 it's a part of life. It's something you could, should be very grateful. Uh, but so many guys push to a point where they hate it so much and they hate themselves and they want to put a pistol in their mouth. Yeah. And they want to blow their heads off. And it's sad. The reason why it's sad is because that was our childhood dream. Yep. It was mine. And people, and people are playing and leveraging our childhood dream. Yep. So if you think about it, it's pretty sick. Yep. The workings of how it's ran. But you're an adult. Pull up your bootstraps, big leaguer. I'd rather have your problems and my problems you don't get empathy or sympathy from anybody. No, 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 no. Because no. they view you as superheroes. Yep. We're not superheroes. But let me tell you one thing. We all have a superhero inside of us. And that's what I'm trying to convey to everybody I come across. What's holding you back? Yep. What's that zoo? Yep. Because there's two, there's two aspects with that saying, what's your zoo? What's your zoo? My zoo owning the zoo? That's my purpose. But I wasn't equipped because my internal zoo that I had going inside myself wasn't allowing me to have sustainable success. That was the end of my demise of being one breath away from losing my life. So what's your zoo? What's your purpose? What's your calling? Is that going to be the name of your book, by the way? Uh, I'm doing a documentary too. Okay. No, it's, I, 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 I love, I love that, that question because it's not so it's not direct. It's not like the literals, but it's like, it gets you to think. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And that like, that's tapped into creativity. <laughs> exactly. That's what creativity does. It opens up that idea of thinking of critical thinking of just imagining being curious, like all those things. I, and I, you know, just like maybe to end, like, I think again, like going back to like, you you do so you give back so much like the literal zoo you bought a zoo but you also help underserved kids i think your speaking engagements are obviously inspirational and i again i you know i don't know if people say this to you enough but i you know i just want to say thank you because i do think that when you know like going back like you played professional sports you're you're you people did look up to you in that manner, but now to have you doing what you do now, I, I just, I think that it's, it's so important. And I do like think more people need to thank you for what you do, because I think that that in the long run, and I'm sure you say this too, is like, that's more important. That's your legacy. You know, hundred percent. And, and I appreciate that. And what, you know, and, and to be a hundred percent transparent, uh, cause that's, that, that's always been my, struggle it's always, always told people what i think and coming from a negative. <laughs> anyways um when people tell me i suck or people tell me man you're amazing or people tell me thank you i i really don't receive it right i appreciate it but let me tell you why it's not because you know i'm arrogant or whatever it's because i believe we've all been given a calling to do something and that's calling to do something is to tap into your gifts and talents and use it to serve humanity. That's what it is. Yep. Whatever way it is, everybody's different. Whether you're a housekeeper in Mexico, because that's what the gals of Vivian's dream was, is that my always dream as a little kid was always to take care of old people. I'm like, you're doing it. She didn't even realize that she was doing it because she's so stuck in her zoo with her experiences. 
But what happens is when you're walking in your purpose and you're walking in your calling, I have a difficult time receiving it because this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, this is what I like, you know what I mean? Like when you do what you're supposed to be doing, like, it's like, tell me I suck. Okay. You tell me I'm amazing. Okay. Uh, I still got to do what I need to do and still every single day. You know what I mean? So I highly encourage people to seek that. But why do I say that? I say that because when I played major league baseball and I walked into a room, I so wanted, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, to, to, you know, I hit a home run off Mariano. Well, three home runs in one game, all-star. You know, I played for the Red Sox. Hey, how you doing? Shea Hillenbrand, Red Sox player. I needed that. I needed you to tell me I was good. And then when you tell me I sucked on a baseball field, the most horrible feeling for any player to ever experience in baseball is to be a Red Sox player and feel the ground ball at third base and have a ball go between your legs and not even touch your glove. Right. That is the worst feeling ever. You know what? They, you effing suck. You're horrible. That's it. So your identity rides on that. So I needed that there, but you know why? Because that's not what I was supposed to be doing. It, destroy, when you walk it in, destroyed Bill Buckner. I mean, yeah. as a human, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. But when you walk into what you're doing, like for, I, I can't comprehend like people like, like uh, I want to say his name, but I can't out of respect for him. But there's like Hall of Famers that are like, like hey, if you want me to do a cameo and if you want me to call a favorite fan and say, hey man, this is so-and-so. I almost said his name again, which would have sucked because I don't want to do that. And hey, this is Shea Hill and Brandy. Like your, your identity is baseball. So, so you, you had so much success playing baseball. You have these inherent abilities. Why aren't you teaching baseball around the world? Yep. Why, why aren't, if you're, if you're, if you're a certain uh, uh, race, why aren't you teaching in the inner cities? Why aren't you making an impact? Why don't you, why don't you make this your ministry to, to, to impact? But, but you're sitting here doing autograph signings to stroke your ego because that's your identity. That's what's sad. Yep. It makes me it maybe extremely sad that these ball players sit there and they just and I could see leveraging it because you're in the Hall of Fame, you can create a business and this and that. Like, like for crying out loud, Pete Rose, I feel bad for the guy. Like his dying wishes to get in the Hall of Fame for what? Yep. For what? So so you could be complete, so you could be accepted because he's looking for acceptance for other people. Yep. That's what it is. Instead of going inward and say, dude, I'm going to accept myself. I'm going to leverage this. I'm going to create a movie. I'm going to, like, like what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I'm going to create a platform. I'm going to use what I feel that. I'm going to use this experience over here that people have gone through. And I'm going to use that to impact and inspire their lives to see what I can do to transform them. Because there's no greater feeling. I've done it all. No greater feeling to be able to impact and give somebody hope. Do you, That's where it's at. Do you find a different love now for baseball that you're doing the academy? I love the kids. Yeah. Right. Yep. I love teaching the kids. That's awesome. I had a trans I had a translator down there last Saturday and it was awesome because there's a language barrier. Yeah, yeah. And when the translator's not there, it's just an experience. Yep. It's just come up like sandlot, which is totally fine. Because my my vision is this is what sucks, is because when I drove into the town six years ago with my wife, she's like, Let's go to Rocky Point, let's go to Puerto Rico. I don't want to go. I don't want to go because in high school, it's like the, the drinking town. It's the beer town. It's a go sit, sit in the beach and pina coladas. I don't want to go. I, I don't want any part of that. I've, I've been given a mission. I've given a, I got to pursue that. So we drive into town and I see a baseball stadium. I'm like, I got to help the kids. She's like, no, the resort's over here. Pina I'm like, I got to help the kids. So I'm like, I'm on the streets walking around by myself, giving security guards my room number. And my wife's like, what are you doing, dude? I'm like, I'm trying to get to the kids. She's like, they could come in and kill. I'm like, they ain't coming in and killing us. All right. They ain't coming to do nothing, man. When you have the calling on you, they're not going to do it. You're going to be protected. So it's like, when I go down there, I enjoy working with the kids. But the reason why I like teaching them, because now I'm getting them to critically think. 
And I'm getting them to step outside their box and I'm going to take them to a step-by-step process. They don't know how to field a ground ball. They think they suck. All right. So when I go through it, it's like, okay, do step one, step two, step three, step four. No, no, no. Step one, two, three, and walk them through that process and break through that fear, break through that failure, break through that self-belief. You see something light up inside them. It's like, boom, self-confidence. That's it. Great job. Here we go. Next guy, translator, translate that, dude. Let's go. Next guy. That's why I want to teach them. I can give two craps about baseball. I can care less. I want to teach them English. I want to get an opportunity to hook up to an internet connection because if I could teach these kids English, if I teach them some structure in the barrio, in a poor area, they only have running water. I know this. If I can get them to the community center and hook up to the internet there, these kids can make $100,000 a year. And if we teach them the process, pain point, perspective, power, purpose, money, they'll shift their whole generation. Now, if we shift the whole generation, we can make an impact in the community by doing that. Where does it start? Come on out. Do baseball. They think they're there for baseball, but we're there to pour love into them. We give them a second option other than the drugs, the cartel, and then the hell that they're living in. That's what it's about. So could that be art? Could that be music? Could that be drama? Could that be anything? So why aren't we using these platforms with a deeper meaning of why we're doing what we're doing? That's where I want to go to. Because when you tap into that, it's a whole new world. You shift that perspective from dad to son because the dads only want the kids to go to high school because they have to pay for high school. You got to provide for the family. Okay, come over here and work, dude. We're going to shift to perspective because we got to get out of that poverty mindset because when you do that, you're one hour from the border of the United States. Yep. We can get you, like there's so many, the, the world's at your fingertips, but they don't see it. Yep. They see all this stuff as a escape. Yep. So whether they're a kid in the streets, one of my buddies who's worth a billion dollars, we all deal with the same thing. Or an athlete playing on a major league baseball field, I could watch a game. I'll say, that guy hates himself. That guy's cheating on his wife. That guy right there is doing <laughs> drugs. That guy right there. I, I can see it. And it's sad. And I don't see it to judge. I see it. My heart hurts. Why? Because I was there. That's why. Yep. Well, dude, I thank you for doing this. Like the one thing, you know, like <clears throat> I hope that we get to collaborate in the future. Um, I'd be honored to. We're, we, uh, we're working on, we just bought 20 acres of land up in Montana that we're going to start to build a, an artist athlete residency. Um, you know, I'd love to like have you up there when we get that thing going. And the other thing, um, I said, my business partners, two of them live out in Colorado. We're in the process of hopefully working with this group, setting up this space at a facility where they're building, they're going to actually have a minor league baseball field there. It's the, uh, what is the team? It's a Utah minor league team. That's actually moving to Colorado. The owls, cool. I think, Orem, Orem owls or something like that. And they're going to have a minor league soccer team, but then they have a bunch of um, little league field soccer and baseball fields, but they also have a special needs field, which I think is really cool that they're doing that. I'm, we're actually sponsoring um, a special needs tennis tournament here in Richmond tomorrow over the weekend. And, awesome. you know, just honored to be a part of these things where I think, again, trying to inspire. And, um, but I, you know, like, again, I think why I reached out to you is I do think what you're doing is, is so beautiful. And I think, you know, like uh, there's definitely overlap in, in, in what we, what we talk about 
and would love to have, you know, like future collaborations and stuff that I think, you know, whether it's you speaking to students um, slash adults um, in the future or whatever, I think, you know, there's just a lot there. And, but I just, you know, again, I just, I'm super glad to, to have met you um, and, and love this conversation and, and um, looking forward to doing more stuff in the future. Absolutely. I appreciate so, anything I do to help out. To, oh yeah, dude. And no. Hesitate to ask. And, and the, this is the, always the last question I have, but um, podcast will be out in a couple of weeks, but if you have any musician friends that would like to donate a song, um, I always change up music. If not, I'll, I'll come up with something. If you have any kind of style of music, just let me know if it's whatever. Um, it doesn't bother, whatever. whatever. I, and I don't okay. know anybody. I was thinking you should, uh, have you talked to Bronson Arroyo? No, I, uh, through Brett Tomko, I think we were talking about getting in touch with him. Um, if you, if you ever want to put us in touch, go for it. Cause I, he is, yeah, I would love to talk to him on the podcast as well, just because he's a musician. Um, I've been trying to get in, in touch with, uh, remember Jack McDowell, black Jack McDowell. He's a, he's a hell of a musician himself. And, uh, just yeah, anybody, you know, like anybody you think of that would be on here, like just put us in, in touch. And, you know, this is, as I said to me, like the cool part of the podcast is a allowing whoever's on to tell their story and, and just the overlap of ideas and then future collaborations, because that to me is, is, is the fun part. And it's also, that's the inspiration. And that's, I always just, you know, use that adage stronger together. What, you know, like I want to promote what you're doing because I think it's important, you know? And absolutely. And, absolutely. and so, um, but I'll let, you know, like uh, I'll snip out pictures from here and use it for some promote promo stuff. And I'll, I'll send you all that stuff and let you know exactly when it's going to be out. And, um, but again, man, I like, I just appreciate it. And, and what you're doing, uh, you know, I know <laughs> I'm not good with compliments either, but like I do, like, I think it's important. And I, and I think it's important for people to just say thank you because you do, you know, like you're changing people's lives because you're, because you're allowing them into your world and what you, what you've gone through. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate so, that. Yep. Well, brother, thank you. Um, enjoy the day. We will be doing actually an event, um, an exhibition out in, uh, I believe sunrise or uh, surprise area. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. My sister actually lives in surprise, but, uh, um, I have a friend that, uh, runs a gallery out there and we're going to be doing something in March, February, March or March, April next year out there. Um, during, during actually spring training, because we thought it'd be kind of cool to do, you know, an event, like an, an exhibition during that time of the year. Cause we're again, working with athletes that are creative and showing that they're more than an athlete and all that stuff. So I'll, I'll definitely stay in touch about that as well. Cause maybe that's something we can, we can uh, do something as well. Maybe we can get Bronson Royal to come out and play play music during that. You know, it's like, those are the things like these events that we think, can bring more people in to see that athletes are more than what you think that they are. So not yeah, you, absolutely. but the, the general public. No, I, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. That's awesome, man. All right, brother. Well, have an epic day. And like I said, I'll stay in touch and I'll let you know when all this stuff comes out. And, uh, and thank you again. Awesome. Thank you, bud. Thanks, have man. a great day. You too. Bye. Yeah.
thanks to Shay for jumping on the podcast today. Really love chatting with him and absolutely appreciate his honesty and his vulnerability in talking about you know his past and his future. Again, make sure to follow him on Instagram at Shay underscore Hillenbrand. Also check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandrich podcast. You can follow us on all of our social media platforms. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com and our social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information, including daily creative training journals and subscription boxes. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body, and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.